Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, first of all, to kick it off, happy Thanksgiving to all of our U.S. listeners out there. A reminder here that the market, at least here for us, will be closed tomorrow. Uh, great time to you know, spend some time with some family and really reflect on how much we have to be grateful for, which can be hard to do, especially given what's been going on the last two Thanksgivings now between coronavirus and sanity. This time last year, we had just gotten out of a stolen election. Uh, But at the end of the day, we live in one of the most prosperous nations in the entire world. Uh, We do have so much to be grateful for. You can forget about inflation for a little while. I know that that's, I mean, we talk about it here all the time, but uh, it really is. We we do have so much to be grateful for out there. And uh, of course, we're grateful here at the VRA for all of you tuning in with us here. Thank you for being with us. Uh, You know, we want to keep bringing you quality content every day at the market close. So on that note, uh, Friday is also a half day of trading. Uh, So we'll see you back here. Most likely, maybe not. Maybe we'll take a little extra day off. We'll keep you posted on that here as well. But have a great mini four-day weekend here. Uh, If you're a stock market watcher, that is. Uh, Like I said, half day. So kind of a of a four-day weekend there, but hope you all have a fantastic holiday, have a fantastic Thanksgiving out there, and thank you again uh, for being here with us every single day, uh, and we always love communicating with y'all. Anytime you want to send any questions our way, reach out to us at support at vrainsider.com. Uh, so next, turning to our markets on the day today, we started off the day looking like it was going to be another one of those days we've seen lately. Started off negative for all of our major indexes. You know, as we're talking about here, we've seen weak internals. So it wouldn't have been a great surprise if, uh, you know, we weren't able to get back to positive territory today. But after a slew of economic data came out today, most of it on the good side, our markets took a bit of a turn, started to head higher, and we ultimately finished just at or near the highs of the day for all of our major indexes. I'll get back to that here in a second. Kip just made a phenomenal call on that this morning in our update to VRA members. Uh, And I'll get to that here in a second as well. But from the economic data that came out, the most notable headline here was probably initial jobless claims dropping to 199,000. That was a drop of 71,000 from the previous reading and hitting its lowest level here since 1969 here in the United States. So, of course, it's a great reading, great news for the country as a whole. Love to see jobless claims falling so low. And a lot of people have have cited this already saying that it gives the Fed even more reason to begin their taper here, even more reason to begin raising interest rates, move up that timeline. But in reality, you have to take a deeper look at the data here. You can't ever tell the full story from one piece of data. Uh, And so what I mean by this is that jobless claims does not mean labor force participation is improving, not necessarily at all. And 
You can see this by diving deeper into some of the jobs data. You see it in the employment to population ratio. You see it in the overall civilian labor force participation rate, both of which still have a long way to go to get back to pre-pandemic levels, talking a few percent here on each one minimum. And, you know, that's happened for a number of reasons, uh, whether it's the, excuse me, unemployment benefits. Uh, Yes, the extended unemployment benefits have, have ended, but it's still as easy as ever to get unemployment benefits overall. You might not be getting that extra $200 a week or whatever it was um, to stay unemployed. But still, like I said, the regular benefits are still there. Uh, It's also probably due to a good amount of people who retired early because of the pandemic. Maybe they were a year or two away, were able to figure out how they could finagle or maybe great stock market returns over the last uh, 20 months now or so since the bottom of coronavirus insanity. So maybe their retirement portfolios are doing well. They decided that they don't want to go back to work. Maybe they're a little bit older, don't want to risk it. Can't blame them at all for that. And then, of course, a lot of it is due to vaccine mandates, keeping people out of jobs, just not even looking for jobs. They don't want to participate in this labor force by any means. And like I said, those two numbers have not gotten back to pre-coronavirus insanity levels. But there's one deeper aspect here that may be even more shocking. I remember learning this um, you know, earlier this year, maybe even last year as I was looking at this data, and I ran it again today. I, I knew what the answer was, but I wanted to see it again firsthand because it's, it's really a not-so-fun fact that I'm, I'm about to give you here. Did you know that the labor force participation rate, both that and the employment to population ratio, not only has it not gotten back to pre-coronavirus levels, it never got back to where it was pre-financial crisis levels. Again, not for the the labor force participation or employment to population ratio, neither one. And that is worrisome. That's a serious could become a serious problem here in the United States when you have just a large portion of the population. Uh, I want it's it's just under forty percent on both of those. Uh, that that's a huge chunk of our population that doesn't work, isn't even looking for work, is what that means. So when you have a country of people that don't want to work that don't want to participate in producing goods here in the United States, you have to wonder where our incentives are at. And to me, looking at that statistic tells us that we're we're, we're closer to socialism than you think. Uh, and it reminds me of the interview that was from, um, I'm blanking on the name now, but it was, I mean, from like the 80s, uh, where it was a, a former uh, Russian KGB operative gave an interview and said, We've been, you know, slowly manipulating the United States. I mean, this is on a massive long-term view uh, that so slightly that you won't realize it until you wake up one morning and you live in a communist country. That's the long game that they've played here. You hear it from China and their, you know, 100-year plan to take down the United States without a single shot 
being fired. That's the kind of invisible enemy that we're up against here. Uh, and I, I just think it's so important to make everyone aware of this fact. It really is heartbreaking because uh, that's not the country we want to live in. You want to live in a country that is productive, that incentivizes people to be productive. And that's not what we have here. We have the exact opposite. The incentives are not to work. Why would you work when you can make the same amount of money sitting at home on your couch? Uh, you know, a great show, The Expanse. Uh, if, you, if you're into sci-fi at all, Kib and I both big sci-fi fans here. It's on Amazon Prime. Fantastic show. You know, a few hundred years in the future as Earth Earth has expanded out into our solar system. And you go back to Earth, though, and really you have this. They don't dive into too deep deep of detail into the show. I've heard the books are fantastic as well. But uh, the majority of the Earth's population doesn't work anymore. And they call them the takers. Uh, that is seems to be a lot of the direction that we're headed here. Um, but again, at the end of the day, we can only control what we can in our own lives. And there's so much to be grateful for the ability to have a job, go out there, make your own living, no matter how hard the government likes to make it on you, especially if you're self-employed. Um, but again, we a lot to be grateful for out there. And there's one aspect of this, of course, that matters. I hate to say mostly to us, because, uh, of course, we want to see our country doing well. But we have to remember, the stock market is not the economy. Uh, so that, that this issue may not be felt by the stock market for some time here. And our job here at the VRA is to make you money. So we want to focus on that here. Uh, so on to looking at the stock market on the day-to-day. As Kip covered yesterday on his podcast, beginning today is seasonally the most bullish time across the board here to be in the markets. Check out a few of these stats. The last five trading days of November are positive going back to 1950. We got a bit of that today. Three out of our four major indexes finishing higher on the day. Uh, And there is a 71% likelihood that the Monday after Thanksgiving is higher. And we've talked about here this here often that the period from October to May is way outperforms the period from May to October. Um I I know we've covered this on the podcast before, but it's if you were to only invest from the time from October to May, going back to like the 1970s, you would have made millions more than you would have had you only bought stocks in the period from May to October. And so now we're in the heart of that most bullish period here right now. And traditionally going into year end and early January, it's especially positive for small cap stocks here, which we love. Uh, And also lastly here on a few stats, when the S&P 500 has double digit gains going into the week of Thanksgiving, the rest of the year is up. 70% of the time with average gain of 2.3%. I think really the only time in recent memory that has broken was in 2018 when we had the December from hell as Jay Powell was trying to raise rates, uh, remarkably trying to raise rates and just sent the market spiraling downward going into Christmas Eve that year. I had the podcast that day. It was a big down day, even though I believe it was just a half day. Um, But so all good stats there that we're looking at traditionally 
traditionally going into year end here and looking at our markets on the day to day. Like I said, we finished three out of the four major indexes higher on the day, so that that held up pretty well there. And like I said, Kip nailed this call this morning in our update to members. He said that he expected a rally off the lows of the day. It's exactly what we got. All of our major indexes finished at or near the highs of the day, even with the Dow finishing down, I mean, really pretty flat here, down 0.03% to 35,804. But the rest of our major indexes all finished positive on the day. Not significant gains, nothing crazy, but but solid gains. The NASDAQ was up 0.44% to 15,845. And even bigger were the semis. Exactly what we want to see. Tech leading the way and semis leading tech. The semis were up over 1%, so a big over 2 to 1 outperformance there by the semis. Good to see. Next up was the S&P 500 up 0.23% to 4,701. And lastly, the Russell 2000 up 0.15% to 2,331. It was good to see. Some of we've been talking about a lot here lately have been the internals, which have been really rocky. And really overall, a lot of the excessive bullishness has been pulled out of this market Uh Looking at the retail numbers from yesterday, Gap and um, and Nordstrom both finishing down today over, I mean, 20%, 24%, 25%. I mean, big moves lower. Saw it in Best Buy as well. So those retail names getting hit hard. Like I said, taking a lot of the excessive bullishness out of this market. But as we've been saying for over a year now, Periods like this, when people are starting to get fearful, is the time when you want to get in. There's just so much liquidity in this market. So much so, it makes it hard for our market to have a sustained move lower. And that's what we continue to see from here. We may remain extremely bullish here. What we believe that we'll see more of is exactly like what we've seen in 2021 are these continued sector rotations, these mini rotations in the market, right? Where one sector leads the way, keeping our markets, taking our markets to fresh all-time highs. It gets extreme overbought, need a little bit of a breather. And another sector steps up to take it, take its place. And if it can't help the market hit all-time highs, it at least keeps us in the range. Specifically, you know, look at Energy stocks holding up the market well, even though they don't make up a huge percentage of the market uh, anymore. But then you got the mega cap tech names, the Apples, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Netflixes of the world that really cause our market to sell. They make up so much of the percentage of these indexes. Uh, that when they take a break, our market needs a little bit of a breather. Our small caps, other names, keep our markets at all-time highs. So again, these mini rotations that keep our markets at all-time highs, another reason we don't see a big reason for a sustained move lower, really almost a a physical impossibility here, uh, defying the laws of physics, if you will. Uh, Then also today, the fear and greed index continues to fall. Another example of removing this excessive optimism that we've seen in our market, falling from an 87 just a week ago, all the way down now to a 62 and did so in a hurry. Down to 62, which is still greed territory. But the, the impressive part is that, I mean, we are two days away 
from all-time highs. All-time highs in the S&P, all-time highs in the NASDAQ. Dow Jones and small caps have a little bit of work to do to get back to their all-time high levels, but I mean, not anything crazy. And so to remove that much optimism from the market while you're still in all-time high range, uh, that's what we like to see. It's contrarians. That's what we like to see. We like to be buying on pullbacks like that. And one of the big reasons why we've been hesitant, though, has been the internals. And we got much better action today from the internals. This has been a worrisome pattern change um, of weakening internals here. But today, we broke that pattern change again this time to the upside Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. New 52-week highs and lows have been the most worrisome. These can be a bit of a lagging indicator, though. Uh, you know, Once the stock gets down to a 52-week low, takes some time to get back to a 52-week high and vice versa. So what we have seen is a series of higher highs and higher lows from the number of NASDAQ stocks Hitting new 52-week lows. You know, want to emphasize that. Higher highs and higher lows from stocks hitting 52-week lows. That's not what you want to see. We've seen the highest reading of 52-week lows since March of last year. We've gotten two readings in that ballpark. And the, the, the second one was bigger than the first one. So not what you want to see there at all. We did get a pullback here today. That is the pattern change we want to see continue here. uh, Advance, excuse me, declining stocks did beat out advancing stocks again today here, but on much lower readings than we've seen here lately, almost even for the NYSE and about half of the number that uh, we've seen of new 52-week lows from the NASDAQ, despite them coming in four to one negative still on the day today. So too soon to say we're in the clear there just yet, but Better readings today. We want to see that continue. And finally, volume came in strong today, just under two to one positive for the NYSE, and then just over two to one positive for the NASDAQ. So, not bad readings there at all. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with five out of our 11 SP 500 sectors higher on the day. We we're led by real estate. Very good to see housing, one of our leading economic indicators here. And real estate hit an all-time high today. We were followed there by energy, tech, and communication services, while our laggards were materials, consumer staples, and financials. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, gold, now higher on the day. Working hard to stay above its 200-day moving average. We dipped below it yesterday. Now getting right back into that range, up just under three-tenths of 1% to 1788 an ounce. Silver up a bigger half a percent to $23.56 an ounce. And then continuing to step up the ladder here, copper up 1% on the day to $4.47 a pound. And oil did pull back some today. Yeah, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that Biden released those 60 million barrels or so from the strategic reserves, about three days worth of oil consumption here for us in the U.S. as Kip covered yesterday. But we're at $78.28 a barrel. But as you saw from the sectors, energy stocks performed pretty well today, finished our second leading sector on the day. But what's even more interesting is what's happening for Saudi Arabia energy companies. When you hear this statistic, 
I want you to think about it. Think about what this means for our country. <laughs> it's hard to, to see this stat and not think that we, our government has not been infiltrated by Saudi Arabia, or at least some of the unelected officials that we have in this country are in on the take. While U.S. oil and gas companies are being hamstrung by the Biden administration, we have more than enough capacity to bring back online in Texas alone in order to be able to, to supply fuel for our country, not to mention the numerous other ways that we can produce oil and gas from all over the United States. Just, like I said, being hamstrung. While Saudi Arabia is on track now to make the most money that they have made since the time period of 2008 and to 2014. They're making as much money now then as they were with oil at $100 a barrel plus. Remember what was happening during 2008 to 2014? Well, Obama was president. We've talked a lot about this being the third term of Obama here. Certainly sounds like it. Uh, so instead of allowing U.S. oil and gas companies, which have stricter environmental standards, the Biden administration would rather give this money to foreign countries, the OPEC countries, Saudi Arabia, who do not use as clean practices. So you can tell here this isn't about climate change. I mean, that just doesn't seem like it at all. And as we've talked about here often, the Biden administration wants higher oil and gas prices. That's the, the, how they justify the Green New Deal and green energies like wind and solar, which can't compete with oil and gas when there is without a supply issue of, of oil and gas. So that's what we see here. Um, just, I mean, mind-boggling. Again, we probably say this about a lot of topics, but we could have a, a whole podcast just about that here. Uh, and then finally for today, Bitcoin now down on the day by 0.92% to 57,310 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, have a great Thanksgiving tomorrow, everybody. Remember what you're grateful for. We got so much to be grateful for here. Uh, so thank you again so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here on Friday after the close.